0: Welcome back to Creative Principles. I am your host, Brock Swenson. Now, normally, this is where I interview amazing writers, screenwriters, authors, creatives, musicians, all types. But over the next 15 or 16 episodes, we're doing something very special and actually giving away my first book, Ink by the Barrel Secrets from Prolific Writers, the full audiobook, over these next several episodes. If it's your first time here, make sure to hit that subscribe button. We will be back to interviews very soon. But this is part of my mission this year to give away 100,000 copies of my book. So if you haven't already grabbed your copy, go over to brockswinson.com. You'll see a link to the PDF, that's a digital download, and audiobook, which you're about to listen to here. You'll also see at brockswinson.com access to things like the free 30-day prolific writing challenge and also some other challenges built around writing, such as the Upwork Unfair Advantage, which will teach you how to be a six-figure freelancer. You can also find courses such as how to write a nonfiction book in 12 weeks, and some upcoming screenwriting and TV writing courses as well, along with my brand new one-on-one mentorship Storyteller Launchpad. All that's over at brockswinston.com, but now let's jump into Ink by the Barrel Secrets from Prolific Writers. In this book, which I wrote around episode 250 of the podcast, across these episodes you'll learn things like how to annihilate writer's block by embracing the playful trickster mentality or how to weaponize your anxiety with the different is better approach, how to defend your time with the calendar anorexia mindset, what it means to create ruthless prioritization and use the urgent versus important system, and probably most importantly, how to avoid self-sabotage. It's all on the pages of Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers, and make sure to join my email list to learn about my upcoming book, The Self-Reliant Artist. All that's over at brockswinson.com. Chapter 2. Ruthless Prioritization Most of us spend too much time on what is urgent and not enough time on what is important. Doubt is a word for adults. Children know little to nothing about it. But you understand it on a deep, fundamental level, don't you? The uncertainty, the lack of conviction, the threat of doubt and its heavy influence on the creative spirit. You're not alone. Every writer understands doubt, faces doubt, and sometimes, but not often enough, prepares for doubt. It would be easier if doubt traveled alone. If only it traveled alone. But it doesn't. It's got its own posse. Every writer faces some version of the three-headed beast. Doubts, obstacles, and distractions. It comes with a territory. It's a part of the writing process just as much as the metaphorical pen and pad. There is an answer to this dilemma, of course, but not one wrapped in a neat little bow. The answer to doubts, trio, is being ruthless, ruthless to everything that gets in your way, such as the false urgent, the disguised petty, and even your own insecurities. I think the most important thing we've learned as we've grown is that we have to prioritize, said Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg. We talk about it as ruthless prioritization, and by that what we mean is this, only do the very best of the ideas. Lots of times you have very good ideas, but they're not as good as the most important thing you could be doing. You have to make the hard choices. From a company who previously carried the motto, move fast and break things, this is quite the U-turn, but perhaps it was inevitable. At grander scales, greater accomplishments mean greater rewards, but greater risks mean greater mistakes. Whether or not you're helping run a multi-billion dollar company, the idea of ruthless prioritization is one that should entice everyone, especially if you make your money organizing words on the page. Prioritization is not only about deciding the relative importance between a seemingly urgent task and habit. It's also about mindset, and mindset in any field will make or break a career. It could even mean life or death. As World Cup alpine skier Bodie Miller once said, If I'm at the starting gate and I get a thought I know is counterproductive, that thought could kill me. I'm going 85 miles per hour down a sheet of ice wearing blades. To be ruthless about your priorities, though, you must be fully committed to your goals, and your schedule should adequately reflect those goals and priorities. If Bodhi is thinking about grabbing a hot chocolate after the event, or wondering how many likes a recent post got on social media, he could literally die. The fear of death increases awareness, but the difficult journey of the writer is to consider time at the desk, as important as the time spent atop the mountain for the alpine skier. The daily writing ritual requires complete concentration, but only for short bursts. As such, writers should treat the ritual as life or death. Sit, focus, write, repeat. Then it's as simple as sticking to rest principles between writing bursts. But as hard as this sounds to accomplish, stopping negative behaviors is easier than trying to merely reduce negative behaviors. When you reduce something, like eating sugar for example, you still have to make a decision every time a new form of sugar crosses your path. But if you simply don't eat sugar, there's nothing to think about. It's a commitment. It's a mindset. It's a step towards ruthless prioritization. The same mindset is true for everything. It's easier to hold your principles 100% of the time than it is to hold them 98% of the time, reasons Harvard business professor Clayton Christensen. Once the negative aspects have been pushed aside, it's easier to focus on the positive aspects. In fact, the positive priorities start to drastically outweigh the negative priorities, so much so that even major distractions can be overlooked. The roof leaked, but in that tiny house with no distractions, I wrote my first four books, says author Chuck Palahniuk. When your priorities are in order, the principles behind the work start to reveal themselves in new ways. Suddenly, the restrictions no longer feel like boundaries, but reinforcers. If the nails aren't unsound, the house won't collapse. If the verbs aren't weak, the sentences won't fall apart. Each time you show up, it gets easier to show up the next time. With this in mind, you're not working for today's you but for a better version of yourself and you owe this person a great deal because this person is a slightly better version of who you are today. Continuing to make this version of yourself wait slows down progress in more ways than you can ever imagine. In this catch-22 scenario, the rent is due now because every action is a down payment on your future self. The work you do when no one is watching is the work that matters most, writes photographer Chase Jarvis in his book Creative Calling. He continues, pros don't wait until they're pros to act like pros. The people who make it are the ones who are willing to show up and do the work without approval, permission, or praise. Don't fake it till you make it. Make it till you make it. Jarvis also believes every major decision breaks down into tiny choices. Pull an all-nighter or get some sleep. Eat clean or binge on ice cream. All these decisions create our days, and our days create our lives. Habits are nothing more than behaviors that have become automatic through repetition and reward. When it comes to your habits, you must be ruthless. Humans want quick, easily attainable rewards. The sugary food is tasty for a moment, but over time, it can kill you. The shortcut feels like a good plan, but it likely won't work, and now you've wasted time when you could have been getting in your reps. Recreating something original and impersonal seems like a good play because it worked for someone else. But it's gotten a real connection to you or anyone else, so it doesn't matter. Repetition, small reward. Humans need difficult, confidence-building long-term rewards. If you can focus on the longer goals, you can build a new life. Ignore the junk food and focus on healthy meals. Ignore the shortcuts and play the long game ignore what the market is looking for and write something personal for yourself repetition and big reward it's also not enough to fundamentally understand how it works and do nothing about it writing is not a hobby as much as it is a calling and if you picked up this book it's likely more of a calling than it is a hobby for you you just haven't fully committed to the idea of yourself as a writer yet as Johann wolfgang von goethe says Knowing is not enough, we must apply. Willing is not enough, we must do. You must apply. You must do. In fact, if you're still nibbling away at your work as if it were a hobby, you may find yourself suffering from pains that wouldn't exist if you would just take the plunge into the oasis of creativity that awaits you. You're starving yourself with likes and comments rather than gorging on a limitless abundance of creation that's just over the horizon. There's an analogy made famous by politician Newt Gingrich, which was featured in a book by James Corville. It's about the dangers of choosing good enough over great. Let's call it the analogy of field mice and antelope. Corville writes, A lion is fully capable of capturing, killing, and eating a field mouse, but it turns out that the energy required to do so exceeds the caloric content of the mouse itself. So a lion that spends its day hunting and eating field mice would slowly starve to death. A lion can't live on field mice. A lion needs antelope. This distinction is important. If you spend your day wishing you were a more creative person, occasionally posting on social media or jotting down notes that will end up nowhere other than as half of a scribbled idea, you're hunting field mice. If you dig deeply every day and spend hour after hour at your desk churning out work, whether or not you're gaining approval from anyone else, you're hunting antelope. It takes as much mental energy to avoid something as it does to do something, so don't kill yourself with missed opportunities or half-assed attempts. Hunt that which will sustain you. When you reach this new level of discipline, you're the one closer to ruthless prioritization. It's not how you do one thing, but how you do everything. Consider Nathan Algreen's interpretation of the samurai when he says, they are an intriguing people. From the moment they wake, They devote themselves to the perfection of whatever they pursue. I have never seen such discipline. As your level of discipline increases, it's nearly impossible not to become a better writer. Perfecting the small things perfects the big things. The right word, the right sentence, it's no different than the right workout, the right breakfast, or the right morning routine. On the most basic level, writes Mary Carr, bad sentences make bad books. To continue this logic bad nights make bad mornings and bad mornings make bad days and bad days make bad weeks like anything else writing is a behavior that can be improved analyzed and managed ignoring it can create a bad life but the process is more important in some ways then specifically what you're going to do with the process as the old saying goes don't dissect the bird to get to the song The process, as it were, starts with a simplistic ritual, and it shouldn't take longer than it takes to listen to a favorite song. It shouldn't be overly complicated. Choreographer Twyla Tharp writes, In order to be creative, you have to know how to prepare to be creative. Tharp prepares with a morning ritual. She wakes up before dawn, throws on her workout clothes, leg warmers, sweatshirt, and a hat, and hails a taxi to her gym on 91st and 1st. But she doesn't consider the stretching or the weight training to be the ritual. It's also not the dancing, nor is it the teaching. The ritual is the cab, she writes in her book, The Creative Habit. The morning I tell the driver where to go, I have completed the ritual. Find the ritual and let the bird sing. Like dominoes, more tasks fall after the ritual, but the ritual itself should be simple. If the ritual is a two-hour workout, it's easier to quit. For a musician, the ritual could be picking up the guitar not practicing chords for an hour. For a writer, the ritual could be sitting at the desk each morning, not writing 2000 words. The ritual should be easy enough that you can do it in a few minutes, but powerful enough that it will lead to bigger and better aspects of the craft. The ritual is the hinge on which the massive door swings. It's small, but incredibly powerful when aligned correctly. In another actionable example, Jerry Seinfeld has a red X system. Every day, he focuses on writing one new joke. When he completes the task, he grabs a big red marker and puts a big red X on the calendar. It's the only thing on the calendar, so there's no confusion about how or when to complete the task. After a few days, you'll have a chain, he said. Just keep at it and the chain will grow longer every day. You'll like seeing the chain, especially when you get a few weeks under your belt. Your only job is not to break the chain. It's supposed to be simple, it's supposed to be easy, One could argue it's even supposed to be transportable. Your ritual might be lacing up your running shoes or putting the leash on your dog or opening your laptop or writing a single sentence. It's just a hinge. The habit follows after. But without the hinge, the door won't open. If you don't know where to start, start with something obvious, something you already own, some object that is cheap or some tiny habit that aligns with your goal. When failure is expensive, plan carefully. When failure is cheap, act quickly, writes Atomic Habits author James Clear. Motion does not equal action. Busyness does not equal effectiveness. When planning your ritual and battling for ruthless prioritization, plan on the aforementioned trio showing up again. Doubts, obstacles, and distractions will likely confront you aggressively. How will you defeat the bloodthirsty pack? Why might you doubt yourself? What distractions might come your way? What unexpected obstacles might you face? The results of this fear-provoking visualization is likely years and years of hesitation or self-loathing. For many people, the school system teaches a slave-like mentality crafted for the mundane, thanks to carrot and whip systems, feed me so I can work, whip me or I won't work. But when you take away the carrot and the whip, you have the freedom to choose how you wish to proceed, what rituals will make up your life, and how to properly prioritize your schedule and nothing other than priorities. Choose what matters. Abandon the carrot and the whip. Eventually, other rituals will sneak into your arsenal. Some will work. Some will fail miserably. Doesn't matter. Keep at it. Every individual action is a step forward and while no single instance will change the belief you have in yourself, if you stack up enough successful rituals you can change your entire identity you can become whoever you want to become because you're basing your new identity on actions mark twain would write lying down ernest hemingway would write standing up aaron sorkin acts out his dialogue vladimir Nabokov used a commonplace book dan brown writes next to an hourglass on his desk so he knows when to take a break stretch or do push-ups Francine Prose writes while facing the wall to avoid distractions. Alexandre Dumas used a three-coated system while writing The Three Musketeers and The Count of Monte Cristo. Henri de Balzac would burn through 50 cups of coffee during a day of writing. And Victor Hugo wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame in the nude. The point of these rituals is to write. So if it helps you write, do it. There are all kinds of writers and all kinds of ways in which to write. They're different behaviors with the same end goals, and no one can truly judge you for behaviors as long as you get results. Jane Goodall says, behavior doesn't fossilize. So if it helps you to write it in the nude, write in the nude, but keep it to yourself. Soon you will have rituals within your rituals. John McPhee draws a box around words that do not fit in his first draft, along with words that present an opportunity for better words. First drafts are slow and develop clumsily because every sentence affects not only those before it, but all those that follow, he says. The rituals are part of what makes up the atmosphere in which you work best. Like a swimmer preparing for an event, it's a way to stabilize the mind and body to perform. It's your ritual which triggers your motivation. Motivation isn't something to be discovered, but to be created through proactive and forward action. Writes Dr. Benjamin Hardy in the book, Personality Isn't Permanent. The ritual, simple as it may be, is what ignites the entire process, like the flame that clears the field of brush. But what few people realize is that these flames are going to ignite one way or another, whether or not you control them. This is why it's so important to be the one holding the match. If you do not deliberately form good habits, then unconsciously you will form bad habits. Despite the fact that most people judge themselves on their intentions and others on their actions, actions are everything. Actions are more important than what you say, what you believe, and how you vote. Actions are what you spend your time doing, say everything about you, and what you truly believe is important. When you start to define these actions with tiny rituals, you can see new aspects of yourself. Suddenly, your reflection is more than one person. For writers, this means separating the two halves of the brain and the many insecurities within. You have to take away the judgment to be creative. You are the writer and you are the editor, just not at the same time. As Kevin Kelly writes, separate the process of creation. You can't write and edit or sculpt and polish or make and analyze at the same time. If you do, the editor stops the creator. While you invent, don't select. While you sketch, don't inspect. While you write the first draft, don't reflect. At the start, the creator mind must be unleashed from judgment. Once you have your priorities laid out, you can figure out whether or not they work. First you measure, then you manage. There are all kinds of writers and all kinds of methods, and any method that helps you to say what you want to say is the right method for you, writes William Zinser. It's within your chosen method that you will discover who you are and what you're passionate about. As for those of you who are confused about your passions, that's no problem either. Most passions are actually discovered in hindsight. Action brings passion. I don't doubt that Steve Jobs eventually grew passionate about his work, but so what? Asked Cal Newport. All that tells us is that it's good to enjoy what you do. Compelling careers often have complex origins that reject the simple ideas that all you have to do is follow your passion. All of this, of course, is just to say that sometimes you have to lose small for an unknown amount of time to win big in the long run. You have to love small victories. You have to love incremental steps. You even have to love seemingly never-ending plateaus. If you're looking up to a prolific mentor you feel exists in the heavens, know that it's less public when writers are struggling than when they're successful, in the same way that the news does not report on everyone who loses the lottery. But within sports, we see this shifting dynamic in teams that make passive multi-year turnarounds and the many highs and lows that come with such a feat. Take the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs were not good because the organization focused on the wrong things, said the youngest general manager in the history of the MLB, Theo Epstein. They always wanted to make sure next year's team looked like it had a chance to win because the team was going to be up for sale at any moment. It means a lack of long-term planning, focused on the short-term, focused on optics, he said. You can't do one year in baseball. We had to be willing to let the team get really bad, as bad as it's ever been, to get rid of their favorite players and lose 100 games, because that's how bad we'd have to get to get good. The problem? You can't do one year in anything you're truly serious about. The solution? Small losses, big wins on a long enough timeline. The problem is that most writers can't see this timeline. Hell, most people can't see this timeline. And those who don't want to change simply do not want an incentive to change. Be different than most writers. Be different than most people. Be ruthless with that which matters most and discover your incentive. As for the word ruthless, it's often defined with a negative context. But when you think about showing no pity or compassion, you must think of this mercilessness as the mode in which you view incoming doubts, obstacles, and distractions. These chronic killers are like a trio of sadistic vampires outside your door. Sometimes they come snarling, and sometimes they come in silence. But you must not invite them in. Never invite them in. Let them starve. Let them die one by one. Be ruthless. Be mercilessness. In the end, it's you or them. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's "Different Is Better" approach, and learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's "Calendar Anorexia" mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, *Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, *Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy, that's a digital download and audiobook, at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. And if it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never missed an episode.